This is the What's Brewing Podcast, brought to you by Plan First Asset Management and Financial Services. What's up, Bruin Nation? Johnny Gamut and Coach Miller on the What's Brewing Podcast, and we got a special guest with us today uh, during our summer series here that we're doing. Coach Scott of the men's golf team is joining us, uh, freshly back from from Ireland, and I got to ask this right off the bat: Did you pick up any kind of Irish accents? I don't think so. The there was one phrase that we picked up over there, and over there in Ireland, um, what they talk about is the crack. The crack is something that's awesome. It's fantastic. It's a great experience. And the phrase that our guys picked up was "the crack is mighty," and that's a very common <laughs> Irish phrase. The crack is mighty. <laughs> the coach is going to join us today to talk about that that mission trip experience, and uh, as well as we're going to kind of preview uh, the upcoming golf season as well maybe talk a little bit about some of the uh, uh, incoming recruits that you have as well um, but that's all that's all coming up here as we I guess we, we can get right to it we don't have to preview anything so mm-hmm. <laughs> let's talk a bit uh, about um, about that mission trip to Ireland you know we, we did a we did a story on the Bruin site for it and I know you and I have talked about it a lot but uh, particularly for this podcast you know this was the first time that we've done this um, from, for the golf program as a team going on a mission trip you've been on several short-term mission trips before uh, kind of where did the where did the idea come about where when, when did it start yeah that's a good question the um, the idea of short-term mission trips is um, something that's not new in, among churches and uh, uh, Christian s- schools or universities or youth groups or anything like that. But th- there is some skepticism about the value of a short-term mission trip. How effective can a short-term mission trip be? Uh, but years ago, um, we ran a few of them in my other job uh, as sports ministry director at Northland. And um, we did a number, probably a dozen different foreign uh, mission trips. They're all sports-related. They, were gol- they weren't golf. They were um, basketball, soccer, um, volleyball both men and women in both in all of the sports. And and when uh, Dan Bowers came to me, he's our rep from Vision Sporting Goods, um, he said, hey, how about doing a golf missions trip? And I said, man, you don't have to ask me twice. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to do that, no, no, no hesitation at all. But I said, what countries in the world would golf be an effective tool to open doors? And, and immediately my mind came to Scotland. And uh, I really felt like that might be an option. But he said, you know, we have a, a contact in Ireland, and Ireland is big with golf. You know, Rory McIlroy's from Ireland, mm-hmm. I think Graham McDowell from Northern Ireland as well. And those are top tour players. And we thought, well, maybe. And a lot of people take their vacation in Ireland to go play golf. There's beautiful country and beautiful golf courses there. So we thought, well, maybe it'll work. And so Dan went to work at trying to contact somebody over there and uh, was kind of the go-between between between me and and organizing the team to prepare them and a contact, a missionary contact over in Ireland. And then uh, the pieces fell into place, and God did an amazing thing in providing the funds for it, and uh, it was exciting to see how it all came together. And Dan Bowers was a a key factor in putting it together. You talked a little bit about about the uh, popularity of the sport, and you and I had talked a little bit about it before you left, but just kind of the inroads that it gives to some of the, the families over there. And then can you talk about how that has helped the churches and even maybe since you guys have left? Yeah. Potentially have helped them too. Yeah, there's a few countries in the world where golf really is a media connector with people. Ireland's definitely one, Scotland's another one. There's a few others. But uh, um, the missionary over there felt like they were struggling to make new contacts with new yeah. new people for the sake of the gospel, to have opportunities to build those relationships, to share the gospel. And so when Dan contacted him about, hey, you know, what about golf? What about bringing the American golf team over? And playing some junior matches with some junior teams, some club teams from local uh, golf clubs, uh, clubs and courses, and and uh, 
So the missionary thought, well, let's give it a shot. I mean, you know, he was uh, really surprised at how quickly doors opened, how easily relationships were built mm-hmm. um, with this simple thing of golf. And, um, and we shared it in, uh, at the Killarney uh, Golf Club, which is a premier golf club in Ireland that's hosted the Irish Open a few times. Uh, we shared uh, two matches with their junior club team. And uh, the relationships we built with the boys, uh, ages about 13 to 18, uh, their dads and the coaching staff and the head professional were almost immediate mm. connection with the golf. And then, of course, doctor, or the, the missionary, um, Pastor Sean Abrams, came with us to all of our events, and we introduced him as our host. And so he, would meet, he was meeting all these people, and now he sees them in the community, and they know who he is, mm. and he knows who they are, and they have this uh, immediate relationship. And so golf opened a lot of doors that way because it's so popular in that country. Cool. You had mentioned one of the things I love from the the letter that you gave me from Pastor Sean was, you know, he said at the end of the letter that uh, he and his wife feel like they've been like they're iron again and they've been sharpened and encouraged uh, by you guys' presence there. And, and again, you know, I've I've heard some of the skepticism in churches of, you know, it's a glorified uh, tourism trip and that kind of thing. Uh, but when you hear statements like Pastor Sean's and and some of the others that you shared with me, how does that kind of reinvigorate? the need for short-term missions, particularly using the sport or using something to connect with that community or with that. Yeah, one of the trips I made years ago was to South America and the country of Uruguay, and it's a very European influence in Uruguay. And the missionaries there told us, um, oftentimes it's referred to as the graveyard of missionaries because um, they're just it's so hard to open doors and, and make contacts. And he said to me something I'll never forget. So there are two tools that we found in this difficult mission field that have helped open doors and, and build relationships. One is camping ministry. They were able to start some camps, and, and that's been good. But he said the other is a sports ministry, just getting involved in people's lives in a non-threatening way with an activity, a recreational activity or sport that we both enjoy. And so he said that's built relationships with our community that's been amazing. And, and Ireland is much the same way. The missionaries get discouraged with how do we make new contacts? Door-to-door, yeah, there's sometimes a very limited success that, but you really only don't, don't really get to build that relationship with somebody unless you spend time doing something together that you enjoy. And door-to-door doesn't establish that, though we did some door-to-door there, and I think it was very effective because here we're a team from a foreign country inviting them to come out and watch a, an exhibition or something that we're doing a clinic for children or something. And um, that was effective, but um, the missionaries were very discouraged over a period of years, and most recently, about not being able to make new contacts. And as a result of our visit, um, he said the relationships that were built in about 10 days, he said, would have taken us four to five years sometimes, in some cases, to build those relationships. Mm-hmm. And now we have an immediate contact, even even something as simple as our bus driver over there. We had to rent a bus service to take us from place to place. We had two different bus drivers that were with us for extended periods of time. One of those bus drivers has followed up with pastor, and they both heard the gospel in, from you know, beginning to end. One of them came to Sunday services with us, heard the gospel there. The one that drove us, that we had the closest relationship with, called Pastor Sean Abrams, the missionary there, and set up another follow-up after we were gone home. Mm. And, and that was his initiative. Mm. But had that relationship not built because of our visit, he may never have met that guy, and he may never have had that guy reciprocate uh, with a little bit of a initiation on his part to say, hey, I want to talk through some things of life with you. And so Pastor was very encouraged by that, uh, of building these relationships fairly quickly, uh, in a in a culture and a society that doesn't really open themselves up very quickly to people. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So I'm guessing most everyone that's listening is now thinking, especially after you mentioned like professionals and how the guys do against us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, against the junior team. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the one, one of the boys that Micah played against, and and they don't do stroke play over there. They do match play, okay. which is different. Uh, here in our country, all of our tournaments are stroke play. Yeah. But over there, you just play your game against one other person. Though we had eight, they had eight. Um, you play your match against um, one person and. You know, it doesn't matter what your score is. As long as you beat the other person on that hole, you're one up. And then if he beats you on the next hole, the match is all square, and you go one up, square, two up, whatever. And uh, Micah's match the first day was against, he said, uh, an 18-year-old boy that was very, very good. And it turns out, that we were, when I was introduced to him at the end of the match, um, he had this hat on that I recognized the, the logo on the front of it. And I said, that's the, that's the club that Rory McElroy's from. He said, yeah, Rory, my cousin was a caddy for Rory. Oh. And he said, this is actually Rory's hat. Uh. And he turned around, and in the back of the hat was stitched Rory, oh, or Roars on there. Yeah. And he said, this was Rory McElroy's hat. He wore it in tournaments. And oh. so this kid was a very good player. And um, Micah had his hands full, you know, playing against him. But some of the other younger players are a little higher handicap. But I know I, I was playing in a match as the eighth guy because we had seven from the team, and I played as the eighth. And my match was against a guy that I had to give him a stroke every hole. Mm. And that's challenging when you're, you know, you score a four, the other kid scores a five, and it's just tied, you know. Mm. So I had to give two strokes on some holes. But it was fun, and uh, it really built some relationships. Those kids really had a lot of respect for our guys' games, and uh, we really held our own. We actually won both matches um, in total, numbers of matches won. But um, it was fun, and uh, it was a unique way to compete for our guys. But also, they were more focused on building the relationships with those younger guys. But they have some good golfers. There's no doubt about that. And, and both, uh, we were at three different golf courses, and um, uh, all the pros had said to us, if you'd like to come back, we'll set up some youth clinics for you. Mm-hmm. We'll set up some matches with some other men's club teams, not just the junior club teams. So Pastor Sean wants us to come back as soon as possible to build on those relationships and those doors have been open. And, um, you know, however the Lord provides, and as soon as he provides more money, we'll, we'll be going back there probably. Awesome. And we have talked about how much you were able to give on the field, but I know one of the uh, great blessings, particularly as somebody who leads the team, is seeing how that kind of an experience rubs off on your players. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that. I know you had a conversation with Micah and a, and a couple others on, you know, the way that the Lord used this trip to really open their eyes to, to people around them. Yeah, we tend to take for granted the things that we have in our country, and when we visit another country, you know, it's a whole different perspective, and um, it gets people out of their comfort zone, and that's a good thing sometimes. And uh, Micah said basically. Uh, coach, I feel like I left a part of my heart in Ireland. And that's a good thing because they begin to see a vision, no matter where the Lord leads them in their vocation or whatever. Uh, In a a local church, uh, as a leader of a home, a husband husband and a a father, um, they're going to be burdened about missions now. They've been to a mission field. They've they've seen how they encouraged a missionary family. Actually, we met with three different missionary families— and the encouragement that we were able to give with them and just fellowship, not just new contact, but just fellowshipping with, they don't get a lot of fellowship over mm-hmm. there. There's not a lot of believers. There's, those churches are really fairly small. And when these kids, you know, they, they come from a church of three or 400, they take a lot of things for granted about their own spiritual um, blessings. And then when they go over there and we meet in the living room of a home and there's mm-hmm. 20, 25 people in the church and and then we meet for fellowship after the afternoon at the pastor's house, and it's just just they're starving for fellowship. Um, it really opens our guys' eyes up to the needs around the world, 
not only of the gospel and be able to present the gospel, but just a fellowship with other believers. And I think that's why Micah said, I left part of my heart in, in Ireland. He just felt like there, his heart went out to those people and that have given, you know, the conveniences of their home countries, the conveniences of what we have in America for, you know, going out and ministering the gospel in a difficult field and in a tough place. As we transition, you know, going into this upcoming season, it's hard to believe we're entering year five of, uh, of the men's golf program. And uh, I know it's taken a little bit of time to, I mean, I remember those first couple of years where we wondered if we'd even have a team score. Mm-hmm. And now we're, uh, now we're at the point where, you know, very competitive at, uh, at our level and uh, certainly uh, a contender again in that South region. Um, talk, about, talk about the upcoming season, both from the, the scheduling perspective and what we can expect in terms of some of the tournaments and uh, maybe, you know, some of the new, new faces and or the, the core players returning this year. Sure. We're, we're definitely going to miss Micah. Yeah. I think that's the number one factor. Uh, but um, now that, you know, he led us for four years, there's a new era in a sense, a new identity of the team. And I really like the leadership that we have. And um, we've got a little bit more leaders now um, than we've ever had as far as their skill on the course, but also their leadership and influence on the younger players on the team. You know, you've got a, a Matt Shannon who is now playing his fourth year coming up and um, has lots of life experience to draw from. And um, as a 34, 35-year-old, um, we have Jeremiah Heath, who uh, had an amazing round uh, at the regionals last year. Uh, he was uh, the first-round leader. You know, and nobody saw that coming. But he's really poised for his senior year to be a great year. Um, Drew Buffalo, who had his first season with us uh, after the injury from the basketball team, um, contributed significantly in a number of, of, of events, and I'm really excited about his leadership influence on the team as well. And I've, I've really targeted three new players coming in, and I want them to be discipled by each one of those three guys. And so they're going to be you know, expanding their role of leadership on the team and spiritual influence on the team and, and teaching these young new players that are going to be coming under the team um, just our philosophy, our heart, our purpose in, in having a competitive golf team. And I think we'll still be equally competitive. Um, certainly we'll miss Micah, but the Lord's brought us some, some good young players that the word's getting out, and there's more and more kids that are you know, considering us, even without an athletic scholarship, to say, you know, hey, we can compete at a high level there. We can enjoy the spiritual atmosphere at the campus. We can uh, appreciate the academic excellence and, and the degree that they'll earn here. And uh, it's just a great fit. Um, we've got a, a couple, uh, at least one transferring in um, whose best friend from high school you know, was on our team last year, and, uh, Kyle Olinchuk, who played really well as a freshman for us last year, one of his good friends from high school. Uh, heard Kyle's experience firsthand from Kyle, and I uh, said, man, I, I think I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I met with his, his family, and uh, they believed that a transfer was in order for him to come, and I think he's going to step right in and contribute significantly. We have a Luke Jacobs coming from Michigan who will be, um, I think, uh, kind of one of those um, not sure how quickly he'll develop, but it could develop very, very quickly, and he certainly has the potential. We have Haddon Wigginton, who we've had two Wiggintons on the team previously, and I, I just spent a, a, an hour session with Haddon a week ago on the range just working on tweaking a few things and his potential. Really, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, certainly, he has two older brothers that played on the team that contributed significantly, and, and Haddon's going to be really well prepared for 
for his freshman year, just gaining from and gleaning from the experience of his two older brothers. So those are three factors, and there's there's at least two or three other guys that we're really still seriously considering, haven't maybe made the commitment yet, that uh, I expect to have 10 or 12 guys on the team this fall. And um, last year was our, our biggest team with eight, and mm-hmm. it's just the word's getting around, and it's exciting to see the quality of young men who are a good fit for the university, who want the spiritual challenge that they're going to get here and uh, the growth that they'll experience here, along with the competitive experience of, of uh, collegiate golf. Well, Coach Scott, thank you so much for taking the time. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. Remember, you can check out all information about Bruins Golf at our website, bjubruins.com, as well as uh, Instagram and Twitter and other places as well. Just search BJU Bruins Golf. Thanks so much, Coach Scott. We appreciate it. You've been listening to the What's Bruin Podcast, brought to you by Plan First Asset Management and Financial Planning. To learn more, visit planfirst.com.